Okay, guys, so welcome back to Carefree Conversations. This is a Carefree Black Nerd discussion show. This is turning out to be our uh, kind of sort of talk show, kind of sort of not. <laughs> I am your host, Rain Coleman, uh, Carefree Blurred on Twitter, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. And uh, when you're listening to this episode, use the hashtag uh, CC or Carefree Conversations. So, uh, listeners, today I have a very special guest with me, a phenomenal, stupendous, amazing, all the uh, the big descriptive words, all the $10 words you can muster. Please, 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 Candace, let us know, let the listeners know who's on the mic with me today. Hello, my name is Candace Gorham, and I am an author, activist, writer, former minister, all that. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me on today. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting episode, a very interesting episode. Um, so Candace has listed all these accolades, these wonderful, <laughs> amazing things. But we're going to start off with a little bit of the nerd talk. So you did mention that you are a sci-fi nerd, blurred geek. Is that correct? Oh my God, big time, big time, yes. <laughs> I love some sci-fi, that's one of my favorite genres. Oh yeah, okay. So then, uh, let's see, you mentioned Star Trek. Now, don't take my nerd card, folks. No, I love me some sci-fi. I am not as well-versed in the Star Treks and Deep Space Nines and all that. Um, yeah. So you give me your, your favorite. What's... What's your favorite iteration in the uh, the sci-fi realm of the, um, yeah. I'm going to give anybody side eye who says anything other than next generation. I'm just saying that right now. You're going to get mad side eye from me if any iteration is your favorite other than next generation. Is that of right? Course I, <laughs> of course, I am an 80s kid, though. So next generation, you know, that's from the 80s. That falls right in line with where I'm at. But, um. But no, I mean, I love all the Star Trek, like literally from, you know, from Captain Kirk all the way through, you know, Next Generation and the, the first woman, the first black captain, mm-hmm. you know, all of them whose names I have forgotten. <laughs> I used right. to know, I used to right. know them all. But yeah, <laughs> oh my God. I, yes, I was a big, huge, like I was, my, my friends and my family and stuff, like, literally would pick on me when I was little because <laughs> like after school, you know, after school, like I was, I was the kid after school watching MASH okay. and, you know, yeah, okay. all shows, and then definitely had to watch my Star Trek. Like I had to watch that every night. So <laughs> I was always getting picked on as a kid for watching. Okay. Look, look. That is all right, because, I mean, hey, we done made it. Look, we all have our little, little, little not-so-great nerd stories on the house <laughs> playground. Lord, I, yeah. yeah, my comics. I was fighting behind my comics. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Next Generation, I'm going to put that on my list then. I'm going to find whatever streaming service has Next Generation. I'm definitely going to dive into it. Um, you got to give it a little, I mean, you know, at least put your pinky toe in. <laughs> at least put your pinky oh toe in. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to. And the thing is, I watched a lot of this growing up. So I'm certain that I've seen every single iteration, at least an episode or two. I know mm-hmm. some things will be familiar, but I'm just not. It, I latched on to the comics early. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. though I enjoyed the deep space, outer space, all that, it was never... 
it wasn't my jam, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah. oh my god, I'm I'm kicking myself for not getting yeah. um getting into it when I was younger because Star Wars is massive. Oh the yeah. Star Trek reboots and whatnot are like insane and i know you can jump on and watch and enjoy them i'm like man i wish i had that history that lore just built in but right right oh and i had all the like the star trek movies i had them all on vhs right Mm. and so when you would line the vhs up like you know (laughs) yes you know like the side (laughs) of them would make a picture yeah yeah yes so like the first five star trek movies with um, would line up and would look like the Enterprise would be an mm. image of the Enterprise okay. and then I had all the other ones so again that was one of those things when my friends would come to my house and be like Candace that is literally not a whole wall of Star Trek movies that formed the Enterprise on the side of yes. I was like I need y'all to back up all my Star Trek movies okay leave my VHS alone. oh my god look <laughs> yeah, you sound like me god leave me. I have two Big bookshelves, I can't really position, but at least six feet tall, full of comics, full of novels. Just Yeah, so I feel you. I feel you. Oh, my God. Yeah, so listeners out there, make sure if y'all not already, check out uh, Next Generation. Also, shout out to Robert Jeffrey. He's a um, a podcast with him. We have a um, podcast, A Light in the Sky 4400 Review Show. He is diehard Star Trek. I don't. He be talking, I'll be like, Yeah, sometimes I don't, <laughs> you know, I'll be known, but I'll be right there with him, you know, like that's his that's his stuff. So mm-hmm. there was a movie, um, like a documentary that recently came out maybe a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Do you re- know what that is? Because I'm kind of at a loss. Um, oh, now that I might have missed, okay, because okay, okay. I, I need to go find it, yeah. I think I do remember them talking about something coming out recent, uh, not a while ago. You talking yeah. about like a something that was Star Trek related? Yes, indeed. Yes, ma'am. It was like a yeah, like a, getting the whole cast together. Now, um, I had missed mm-hmm. it. I think it came out in theaters, and I had missed that. I wanted to see it, but who? Um, yeah, 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 I missed yeah. that one too. Mm-hmm. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, nerdy, nerdy stuff. The the nerdness runs through all of us. It seems so. Mm-hmm. Um, sci-fi. So tell me this. You were a sci-fi nerd back in the day. You enjoy your Star Treks and whatnot. Um, how much of that, if any, informs some of your writing? Like, even with storytelling or, like, beat for beat, like, space mm-hmm. stuff. Does any of it inform your writing now? Well, what I would say is um, the... Like all the that goes into science and science, like you know, all that goes to science fiction, right? You mm-hmm. know, you're you're looking at it, it's based, it's fiction, but it's based in you know real science, yep. real critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. real um, you know scientific method inquiry, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and so that way of thinking, that mm-hmm. mindset of this is how I critically think about the world, mm-hmm. I think has is true for me in my real everyday life. Like okay. I don't just immerse myself in sci-fi and then, and then at the end of the, you know, and then I come <laughs> out of that world and, um, you know, yeah. um, I, I, I'm of course, you know, my, my work is, is atheistic, um, in orientation. And so mm-hmm. I pride myself on sort of my critical thinking skills and my, um, the way that I have, you know, sort of um, that 
like I said, the way that I, I, I value things like science and literacy and evolution and, you know, those types of, so in my writing, like, for example, in my first book, The Ebony Exodus Project, I do a lot of, it's not just stories about black women, but there's a lot, I, I bring, I rope in a lot of research. Mm -hmm. And so, again, like I said, that it's, it's all about the critical thinking side of things. It's not, I'm a storyteller, yes. But I want to tell stories and I want to also, you know, rope in real factual, critical thought, you know, analytical analysis, synthesis information, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, so there's a storytelling aspect of things that, that I like to do in all of my books. And you'll find that in my new book as well that we're going to talk about that storytelling aspect. But then there's also a heavy um science and literacy and critical thinking side of things and so and i think that sci-fi is like that right there is the storytelling side and then there's also you know this is it's based in reality in some way because of the focus on science and literacy Absolutely. and critical thinking Ooh. all right now okay we're getting to it we're getting to <laughs> it so let's take a couple steps back so so you got nerd history in you from being a kid what about writing like when you decided mm -hmm. even to um go at your first book was this something that was like brand new like okay i have these ideas let's write this book or is this something you have been doing your whole life like is writing mm -hmm. part of that nerd beginning oh man you know i thought i was a little poet <laughs> all the way back to elementary school what you talking about i used to, i probably still got it around here somewhere this little poem <laughs> this little book of poems that i had to we wrote in like the sixth grade uh, like i have always thought that i was a writer yes <laughs> and then in high school I did take, you know, several years of creative writing, mm -hmm. and I actually, um, in that creative writing class, it was pretty serious. I mean, we had to, like, actually publish. Okay. And so, you know, we would write, and then we actually had to go and find our own publications and, you know, submit short stories or poetry or that sort of thing. And so even in high school, like, I was published in, I don't, I don't remember what, it was some magazines or something like that now. Mm -hmm. But even as far back as high school, like I, you know, I was actually a technically mm. a published writer. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I've taken um, writing pretty seriously my whole life, you know, and mm. that's something that's been really true to who I am um, mm. as, a, as my identity. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. First of all, kudos to you. Assignment and now being published in high school. Like that, shoot, I wrote in a 70 page notebook in high school. I have a story <laughs> in one of those. It wasn't published. So, but no, that's, that's so interesting. So your assignment or you guys' assignment was to write something and then on your own, find a way to get it. Man, that is so, could you right. talk a little bit more about that? Only because I'm so, like mm -hmm. there's self-publishing and traditional publishing and whatnot now, but to be a teenager mm -hmm. and to get this grade like you have like oh no nice. I, mean, I, I, I mean our teacher gave us leave like she mm -hmm. was sort of say here's here's a list of magazines that okay. accept publications mm. you know that accept and so then it would be on us to go through these you know magazines to say okay this one I feel like is you know my content is relevant mm. to this particular publication mm -hmm. then I had to go and look in that publication to figure out how do I submit to yeah. you guys 
we had to actually type it up, do a little, you know, a little cover letter. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, like old school publication, right? Like you had to do a little cover letter. This is who I am. This is what I'm writing. Mm. But, you know, so it was, like I said, she gave, she gave us the lead. Yeah. But we had to do all the other work on the on the like she didn't do anything. She was just like, "There's some there's some magazines <laughs> over there, or you know, there's some journals over there. Yeah, you gotta go check it out." And then we had to do all the work on our own. That is that is so cool. That is so mm -hmm. cool. That's not even something and we had I to do a lot of submissions too because it was yeah. like you know you had to you know find somebody to publish it. Right, so it right. Like four grade too. Oh, right, right, right. That, and that's yeah. the part that gets me because it's not like, oh, just do no, you you grade it. Man, yeah. that is that is very interesting, especially in this new um this day and age when self-publishing isn't looked at as negatively as it has been before. Mm -hmm. And so there's more options for people to publish. But to see that you got kind of a I don't know, like a, a crash course pretty early. Mm. Or like the process, Jesus. So, um, tell me, which your two books are they uh, traditionally published or are they self published? Oh, they're traditionally published. Yeah, okay. Pitch Town Publishing is the company. Oh my! So, how, okay, so that process is essentially the same um, as like back in high school. You just like, hey, this is this is me. What you think? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. It, it, same situation. I did have a lead. Um, mm -hmm. I just happened. You know, I'm. I went to a pool party, mm, and okay. um, and it was like a pool party specifically put on by this atheist guy, and he was putting together, you know, like a little event for you know <laughs> atheists in the area mm -hmm. and his and his little community. And so, you know, I'm there. And I was talking about my idea for my first book. I hadn't written it yet, but I was mm -hmm. just talking about it. And I was like, hey, yeah, I got this idea for this book. I want to write it. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of working on it, but I'm <laughs> not really. And he was like, oh, my God, I know this publisher. That that's what he does. He, you know, focuses on, like, atheist, agnostic, humanist, secular um, literature, you know, you know publication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um. And he was like, you know, next time he comes to one of these pool parties, I'm going to give him your contact information. So I was like, oh, my God, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, but like you said, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how serious this is. Mm -hmm. Is this a serious publication company? Like, what is this? I don't know. And um, so the next month, because this guy did these pool parties every month. So the okay. next month, or maybe it might have been a month or two months later, I don't know. It, but it wasn't that long. I went... And the publisher himself mm -hmm. actually turns out lives in the same city as me. Oh. I didn't realize he lived in the same city <laughs> as me. And so he turns out he came to the pool party. Mm. And so the host was like, oh, this is the publisher that I was telling you about. He owns the company. And I was like, "Why? he owns the company. <laughs> and so, you know, I was telling him about my, my book, the first book, Ebony Exodus, and my ideas and stuff. And he was like, you know, he I, that sounds real interesting, you know, let me, ha do you have anything? And at the time, I, I don't even think I had written a whole chapter yet. Like, mm. I had some content, but I hadn't yep. really put anything together together. Mm. And so, I, he was just like, you know, put together a couple of chapters and send it to me. Mm. Um, and so, that's what I did. I put, put together a couple of chapters, sent it to him. He liked it. He was like, you know write the book, send me the book. And, yes. you know, he was like, I love this. I love to work with you. Uh, So it was, it was a connection that somebody gave me, but then the actual process was the same of 
you gotta submit a sample, you know, they review your samples, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I submitted the manuscript. I didn't get a, I didn't get a contract from him before I wrote the book or anything Mm. like that. You know, he didn't offer me a contract or anything just off of those couple chapters. He was like, I like the part, I like where you're going, write the book. Yeah, <laughs> to, you know, do the work. So yeah, I did have to for the first book. I did have to do all the work up front first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I I worked with him on a second a second project, which was I contributed to an anthology okay. that he published. So technically, I'm published with the company three times. Come you on, know, this one is my <laughs> second full length book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that. Uh, look, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited just for the process alone. That's so because it's so. A lot of this, I'll say, is very, um, I'll say, scary for lack of a better word. Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. as a kid, especially if you're like, oh, I want to be an artist, I want to be a writer, I want to do this, then the third. There's not a clear A to Z like it is with like I want to be a doctor. Well, you go to medical school, right. you know. So th- hearing you say this, be it a connection, be it you know, I didn't stalked Simon and Schuster or whoever, like whatever the process, it's just getting it out there and letting people know that it's not as scary, again, lack mm-hmm. of a better word, as it yeah. is. Cause whew. definitely not. I mean the thing is you do have to I mean you just gotta be creating content. You mm-hmm. do have to be creating content. You have to be you, you can't be afraid to put your baby out there in front of other yes. people because mm-hmm. You know, you not nobody's gonna give you money and then say, "Okay, mm-hmm. you bring me a thing." You gotta mm-hmm. create your baby and then give it to somebody for them yeah. to say yes or no. You know, to critique it. So, yeah, I, I I know that is though I'm podcasting. It is. Ah, when you see reviews or if you randomly get someone like, "Oh, I didn't like this," or "I love this," it's always that. We're feeling like, oh, okay, I've put out, you know, eight episodes and someone listened to episode two and it was terrible, but everything else they love. So I, I feel like I empathize with that. Just it's your baby. Lord. Yeah, it's like you got to just, oh, my yeah. goodness, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. So so you mentioned um, before you are an atheist, is that correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and that is the subject matter for the first book, for both, or it's touched on a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, so religion and um, it's not necessarily atheism specifically, mm-hmm. but for the first book, mm-hmm. um, the Ebony Exodus Project, I focus specifically on Black women and their experiences with religion. Okay. So I interview the book features ten interviews of black women who are who identify either as atheists or agnostic, like somewhere mm-hmm. on that sort of non believing scale. And so, um, you know, the subtitle of the first book is Why Some Black Women Are Walking Out on Religion and Others Should Too. Mm-hmm. So I'm kinda talking about the ways in which the black church sort of has made promises to black women and to you know, to people in general. Mm-hmm. And in the ways in which it's it's letting us down, you know, it's yeah. not keeping the promises that it's that it's saying. Mm-hmm. And so those stories are about black women and the their struggles. So it's not necessarily like, hey, this is an atheist book, but it mm-hmm. is, you know, black women and their struggles with church and religion and that sort of thing. Okay. And then the second book on death and dying, um, death, dying and disbelief. I'm sorry, is um, 
again, it's not necessarily, it's, it's geared towards that audience. Okay. And so okay. it's specifically about managing grief, but managing, but, you know, managing how, how helping non-believers manage mm-hmm. grief because that, because grief is so often in put into the realm of like the spiritual yes. and the religious and, mm-hmm. you know, that's for pastors and priests and ministers to handle, right, is grieving mm-hmm. individuals. And so those of us who don't subscribe to any religious belief, we we don't have any resources to help right. us grieve. You know, even, and like my profession, I'm professionally, I'm a mental health counselor. Okay. And so even in my professional world, you know, when you start talking about grief, you know, people want to start bringing religion and spirituality and God and, you know, stuff like that into counseling, into grief mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, so even if I'm a non-believer, I'm going to grief counseling. I may, I might even have to battle with my, my grief counselor mm-hmm. and say, I leave religion out of my grief counseling. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really have many resources as non-believers for managing grief. And so that's the whole point of the second book is, Managing grief here. This is for this particular audience. Absolutely, my mm-hmm. God, my God, look at oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that this is something that I myself could have used when my mother passed a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really dealing with like, of course, you deal with the passing of a loved one, but like that aside, mm-hmm. the aftermath and even the comfort that I was getting from everyone was always prayers for you and your family. And mm-hmm. I take it like a God bless you after you sneeze, sure. But when it gets down to really dealing with issues surrounding death and you're that black sheep, again, for lack of a better word, or that odd man mm-hmm. out in your community where it's so many religious minded people, well, that's yeah. that. So this, I think this is very much needed. It's very much needed. I'm definitely going to give me a copy if it, <laughs> If I can't go back in time and take care of some stuff, but I do, yeah. I just appreciate just that thought process because everything is centered around religion for the most part. Like there's mm-hmm. really no way of escaping it. Um, and so with this, with this book did, oh, hold on. Cause not, <laughs> it took me back. Hold on. <laughs> Bear with me. Y'all. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with this book, and dealing with, is there a certain event or something that sparked you going like this route, like specifically dealing with grief, maybe mm-hmm. speaking to people and like, oh, realizing there's nothing out there? Or was it, how did you come to this um, content for the second book? Mm-hmm. So in 2019, um, my high school sweetheart died oh. in a, um, from um, injuries from a car accident. Um, and so he was, you know, he was significantly more to me than just a high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he, that was, um, extremely difficult on me, um, as it continues to be. And, um, so about a year into it, um, when I was, I mean, just, you have to read the book. I, um, yeah. in the book, I, I get very personal. Okay. Um, it's very journal. Like it's, hmm, it's okay. very much like a journal. Um, and I really get, um, personal and I try to really be, um, graphic almost mm-hmm. about my grief. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so um, around the one year mark of dealing with that grief, I was like, I, you know, some other people, well, for one, I'm like, it was just really consuming me even a year later, you know, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, you know, yeah. you lose somebody and that one year anniversary is just hell. Come on. Come on. And so um, I also around that same time, I had a couple of friends who lost, you know, really, really oh. important people to them as well. So mm-hmm. I'm dealing with mine. I'm trying to help them deal with theirs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a counselor, I'm just sort of reflecting like, you know, non-believers need a resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the counselor in me was sort of over here percolating <laughs> on how can I provide a resource, yeah. you know, for other people who are in mourning. And I think that's what ended up happening was I started thinking about it from a clinical standpoint as well of how to how to go about managing grief. And the and then the writing the book became sort of like a pri- a healing project for me. Mm, okay. Um and so um as I worked on the book, it sort of, you know, took on a life of you know, a way to help me process my grief. And so that's mm-hmm. why it's very, it's, you know, it's cl- it's part clinical, it's part, you know, self-help, and it's part personal journal, you know, mm. and it's a personal journal. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a very clinical, very healing process for me to go through, but then it was also about me trying to produce content again, like I said, to, because I'm a, so acutely aware of other non-believers around me going through similar things and struggling in the same way that I was. Okay, okay. I, I'm all for you've sold me, listeners. <laughs> uh, you made it to this mark. Please use the hashtag. You've sold me, and uh, <laughs> your copy as well. Um, I, again, another reason why I think this is so important is because when it does, when it comes to religion. A lot of people, so the focus of my show is always representation in comic books and related media, always the representation. And I think this really falls under that banner with something like religion, especially as a black person. Our religion is like a key component to a lot of people's identity and a lot of people's upbringing. Like you, you have memories of being in church. You know, or I, I could at least say for myself as a uh, former Christian, but even my black friends from um, from teenage and little kid years who were like Muslim, it was like a, equally the same. Like they were very much, I am Muslim. This is part of my identity. This is what it is. And so I think mm-hmm. this is very important that this book is out there um, to have one, a resource and mm-hmm. to kind of lessen that burden. Um, I know I always, I mentioned a lot of times on my show, this fictional teenage kid from Iowa, but like, what about that fictional teenage kid who deals with grief and a loss Mm. in this very religious household where bucking that system could be disastrous, you know, but Mm -hmm. then also how do I grieve? You know, so I, I'm just very appreciative of this one speaking with you and then two, the book itself, like I, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I might be a little bit biased when I say, <laughs> I, 
I think it's the needed resource. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, mm. uh, it's just not, again, you know, when I go to conferences and when I go to workshops and please, you know, when I'm traveling and I'm speaking and I'm talking, you know, I get questions a lot about, uh, because, you know, because people know I'm a mental health counselor. And so mm. I get questions about, managing grief from a non-believing standpoint and people know i'm a former minister you know mm-hmm. so people ask me questions about you know what do you think about this now that you're a, you know an atheist and how would you advise a person to you know handle this grief related mm-hmm. situation or mourning in this way or you know is it okay if a, if an atheist does such and such and such a thing isn't that something that only spiritual people should do mm-hmm. you know like i just get all kinds of questions and um you know just all kinds of connect people asking do i you know am i crazy i thought i heard him talking to me in my sleep or is he coming mm. back to me in a di- i mm. mean you know you just get all kinds of questions and you know should i go to the funeral the funeral is gonna be in a church is that right mm. so i mean i as i travel i've just gotten so many questions and so many comments and so many you know people when they're grieving i mean people and again, like I said, you you know, when you really lost somebody mm-hmm. important to you, your brain just goes into a kind of a fog that mm-hmm. you can't imagine until you've been there. Right, right. And, and so I think a lot of times, you, you know, people have come to me and asked me those types of questions. And I'm like, you know, when I'm when you're not in that place, the answer seems so clear. Like, yeah. of course it's okay to go to a, ch- a funeral mm-hmm. in a church or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? But when you're in the depths of your despair, you're like just confused about everything. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I've gotten so many. So some of the, some of the things I talk about in the book, so the, 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 the format of the book is that it's, it's 10 tips. Okay. Um, I talk about 10 tips for grieving non-believers, non-theists. I, talk, mm-hmm. I call them non-theists in the okay. book. And so there are 10 tips for how to deal with grief and how to manage grief throughout the book. And so some of those tips are developed based on things that people have asked me mm-hmm. or that okay. come up in conversations or things like that as I travel. And so that's what I'm saying, you know, I might be biased, you know, I think <laughs> it's a needed resource because some of the things that, like I said, seem um some things may seem common sense um some things may seem um just you know like wow you know they just seem common sense that that makes sense but when you're Mm -hmm. in the depth of that despair you need some sometimes you need i I talk about in the book sometimes you need somebody else to be your brain for you like you need a substitute brain Mm because your brain is just not working Mm -hmm. you know and if the only resource is spiritual, 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 spiritual resources everywhere you go, mm-hmm. you don't have any substitute brains for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm hoping that my book can be sort of a substitute brain for people sometimes. That's, that's, that's perfect. That is a perfect description, I think, because Lord, yeah, no, no, especially when you, and now we're speaking, I'm speaking rather specifically for black folks, when when it's a death, a funeral, or a new baby, you know, those are events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that is mm-hmm. family galore, family you ain't seen, you know, in a while. And so, again, with the majority of black folks being religious, it, I, again, mm-hmm. I just, I think this is a definitely a um, a resource that is needed. <clears throat> and I think it more than likely would help someone who is religious. I would imagine mm-hmm. so. It's like, 
Oh, I know you're taking me back a few years again. Lord, I've definitely got to get my hands on this book. Um, yeah. With, you mentioned that you uh, were a minister before. Did you want to maybe speak on that a bit and how you came to your non-theism from there? Yeah, sure. So, um, I, well, so I've always been like the, a super religious type kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, my, my parents separated when I was like nine or 10 years old or something like that. And, um, my, my dad was a Jehovah's Witness. And so mm-hmm. we were, um, at, when I was younger, I was, you know, we went to the Kingdom Hall with Jehovah's Witness. But when my parents stood up, my mom, my mom didn't give a crap about, can I cuss? Can yes, I use my language? Okay. Can I use it? Use it all explicit. You can shit down, fuck hell, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> I think my mom did not care about the Kingdom Hall and me feel you. <laughs> and so, so she stopped. We stopped going. Well, me and my weird ass little nineteen year old self was like, I still wanna to go to the Kingdom Hall. I still wanna go. Mm-hmm. And so there was this family that would still come to the house and do like Bible study with mm-hmm. me and would take me to the you know, take me to the Kingdom Hall and stuff like that. And that was another one of those like little things where all my friends would call me a nerd because <laughs> here I am at nine, ten, eleven years old choosing to go to yeah. church. You know, when nobody was making me go. <laughs> oh, man. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to church. And so I was, you know, I was pretty serious about it. And then um, in middle school, when I got to like maybe about seventh grade or something like that, I got a little bit older. Um, I was going to like the family church with mm-hmm. my aunt, which was, was a United Methodist church. And so mm-hmm. I was like confirmed in the United Methodist church and I was singing in the choir and I was, you know, on all those little things that the kids do in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got to high school, you know, I met my high school sweetheart and I did what high school kids do, which is everything ungodly. So I stopped going <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped going to church. I might, I might have fell out of church for a couple of years, and um, and so I um, but what ended up having my my sister um ended up marrying a minister when okay. I was um eighteen when I turned eighteen, and so um around age twenty um I got I like basically. Be- I got serious about going to their church mm-hmm. and um, he, her husband was one of those like, you know, charismatic, Pentecostal, mm-hmm. holiness type, mm-hmm. non-denominational, yeah. everything is a demon, fast, <laughs> pray, cast out, devil type, pastory, <laughs> prosperity, gospel, give and yeah. shall be, you know, yeah. he was that type. And so I got caught up in that. And so here I am, 20, and I'm told I'm a, you know, God is intended for you to be, you know, a pastor or a minister, you mm. know. And I got ordained at 20 years old, mm. an evangelist, and, you know, a prophetess. And I was, you know, casting out devils, and I was traveling and speaking and praising, and worshiping, and doing all of that stuff. At 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. Mm. Um, so I was, I mean, I was 
super duper serious, you know, in my early 20s and um, about it all. And it was just really, you know, just being a part of my sister's, you know, her, well, you know, her husband's church. Um, And eventually what happened, they moved to California. And that kind of gave me, a, I, I started going to, uh, it was a, it was another church. It was a mega church. Um, mm-hmm. So I was still, and I, and I was part of the praise and worship team, but I was, that gave me the opportunity to back away. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't a minister anymore. Yeah. I was part of the praise and worship team, but I wasn't as deep into it as I had been. Mm-hmm. And this church wasn't as extreme either as, as my original church had yeah. been. And so, um, you know, so I started going to that church and, um, you know, that was an okay experience. Um, but things started happening in my life and, you know, I, I, I foreclosed on my home and I lost my car and my money was funny and my marriage was all over the place and I was going through severe depression and so just a lot of stuff seemed to be going wrong with my life. And I was in, I was thinking I'm doing something wrong. Mm, okay. You know, I wasn't I wasn't getting mad at God. I was thinking, what am I doing wrong here right. that that I'm missing out on something? And so I decided, let me slow down, let me back up, let me start studying harder. I'm gonna study harder. I'm gonna mm. pray harder. I'm gonna go harder at this thing, and I'm gonna really get a better understanding of like what God wants for me, you know, Mm -hmm. so that I can get right. Well, I, you know, really basically at that point studied myself out of religion because (laughs) I really started, you know, like I said, thinking maybe I'm doing something wrong. I started opening myself up to more ideas and considering more, you know, more ideas and more ways of thinking and considering and, you know, um, seeing the world Mm -hmm. that previously I had been very closed off to. And yeah. I th- and so evolving into or you know um, deconverting you know mm-hmm. into then evolving into being an atheist was a very um, intellectual process for me. Okay. It wasn't emotional. It wasn't um, out of anger at God or you know anything like that. It was very much like I did this a lot of painstaking study and mm-hmm. you know. Comparing religions and looking mm-hmm. at, you, know, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about all that stuff. I done forgot half of the stuff I learned. I learned so much stuff, I done forgot half of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And so, I'm like, all I know now is I don't believe it no more. Yeah. Next, you know. Mm-hmm. Whew, yeah, that, that's, you. I'll say this you have been very accomplished for a while like again regardless of the requirements to have been a minister by 20 and have published like published (laughs) like you've done a lot (laughs) and i'd say that that even gives you a different um or even uh i want to say better but i'll say a better point of view when it does come to this grief thing you have a lot Mm -hmm. You know, having been in that religious space, having left that religious space, having intended this for non-theist folks, and then even having that mental health background, I'm like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that counseling background, I'm just, it, like, you're essentially telling us 
buy this book. These are the reasons why. These are my receipts. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I would encourage everyone. the The links for uh, the the pre order, the links for the uh, first book, will be in the show notes. Please give those a a look. Even if you're a religious person and you're like, we all go through grief, regardless. Mm-hmm. So I think at the mm-hmm. very least, it's worth you checking out, reading up, yeah. put it in your cart. You might not be. Might be a little scared to hit that buy button, <laughs> but still. But I just, oh my god, I just, I can't well, stress that I, enough. No, and you're absolutely right. I think the the thing about the book on death, dying, and disbelief is that it is very practical. And so I think you're absolutely right that the tips themselves mm. are things that anybody can pick up and apply. The whole goal of the book was that I would want a grieving person to be able to just pick up the book. You know, pick open it to the table of contents, close your eyes, point your finger, and whatever tip it landed on, go mm-hmm. read just that chapter mm-hmm. and walk away with something tangible that you can do today that would help mm-hmm. you feel better. Or, you know, be armed with some knowledge that would help you manage your grief better. And so the book is extremely practical, and that was the whole goal is that you know, a part of managing grief. I mean, there's a, there's the emotional side of processing grief and managing grief, but there's also this just behavioral side of things. that's yeah. just like, you kind of got to just turn on your autopilot and, and live, you know, mm-hmm. and just like put food in your mouth, yeah. wash your body, mm-hmm. take your meds, mm-hmm. you know, talk to people. Like they are just really just these basic, you kind of go to a, really basic place of survival mode Mm -hmm. and so the book is really like it's speaking to that most basic place of trying to survive Mm -hmm. you know several of the tips are really just sort of speaking to that most basic like i'm just trying to survive today right um and so there's a lot of the book that's just really practical like that so i think you're absolutely right when you say you know, even a believer could pick up the book. They and I and I don't think that a believer will read the book and be offended by anything mm, that I okay. say in the book either. Cool. You know, there's no religion bashing in here. And in fact, I, there's one tip that I talk about where I where I actually speaking to the reader who again I'm, my audience right are non-believers. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to my non-believing audience. I actually explicitly say. Hey, be patient with your religious friends and family. Mm-hmm, you absolutely. know, so when you're when you are grieving the death of somebody, if they're grieving too, all they have is their religion. Yep. You know, that's all they know. They mm-hmm. don't, and and you and they are te- they are at their sinews. They are at their breaking point. You know, and they are depending on. They're just trying to make it through the day the same way you're just trying to make it through your mm-hmm, day. Absolutely. And all they got is their religion. Mm-hmm. Now is not the time to be trying to rip religion away from somebody when they're, when they're in the depths of despair. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I talk so I think that I think that religious folks should be able to read the book and say, Oh, okay, we're not being attacked here. You know, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. about you. That's because yeah. the book ain't about you. You know, the book is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. The book is about grief and managing grief, and I'm speaking specifically to people who just don't have, you know, nobody talks to us. Nobody talks to non-believers about stuff like this, because mm-hmm. this is supposed to be a spiritual topic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that, I, and I do, I mean, I hope that there would be some believers out there who would read it and then, you know, and, mm-hmm. and be able to sort of vouch for it as a, as a resource I would hope so as well I would and I would encourage everyone listening again go go get the book go get it because my thing is a lot a lot of things are certain in life and that's death and taxes <laughs> you know so mm-hmm. like, at the very least being able to arm yourself with more than just your one religious text I think mm-hmm. is really good because there's no way you're studying, you know, I don't know, cosmetology, and you're only looking at this one <laughs> text about, you know, color and hair. Like, it's, there's yeah, no exactly. way. You know, I look up several YouTube videos on something going wrong in my car, so ain't no way I'm exactly. just taking this from one person. So, yeah, I would hope that the listeners would, um, at the very least, <clears throat> go check out the book and share it. And share yeah. it. Get the word out there, because I think it's, it's very important when it comes to things like death, to at the very least open your mind again terrible not the best term but open Mm -hmm. your mind because like you said just because you're grieving a certain way doesn't mean everyone else will and i'm Mm -hmm. sure i bet dime for a motherfucking dollar Mm -hmm. religious listeners who are listening into this there is one person in your family or in your circle who is not maybe they haven't told you but there's at least one person who isn't um isn't a believer in the way that you are or isn't a believer at all and you know when that time comes you know heaven forbid god forbid universe forbid that someone passes it would be nice to have this resource on hand Mm-hmm. for that person you know even if you don't you don't know so i think that's mm-hmm. um, that's what i'm going to push for please get this book because mm-hmm. buy one and give one <laughs> yes there we go there we go yes there buy one go. for yourself and then and, and buy one to <laughs> slide into them then go um uh, Christmas, Christmas gifts. Cause I know, I, just for for everyone that might be there in secret, I know somebody got a vocal non-believer in in, in their space. <laughs> so, oh, exactly, exactly. So give them a get them a book as well. Get them, let that be their Christmas gift. You pissed them yes. off, but you also get them something good. Yeah. <laughs> and the book oh, is really man. easy to read. I mean, the book is really easy to read. It's a fast read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something like it's like a hundred and forty pages or something mm-hmm. like that. It's mm-hmm. short. Um, you know, it's quick, it's easy, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely something that I think, I mean, if it took you a week to read this book, it takes you a week because you ain't trying. You know, the average adult, I think, probably could sit down and read through this and pretty, and, you know, pretty quickly. And I, I think there's a good many people who would be able to read it in a day. Mm, you know, good, good, good. Um, it's it's really simple, basic, straightforward. It's not, you know, like I said, even though I talk about, I do rope in some science and some research to, mm-hmm. to make my points. Because, you know, for example, if I'm talking about the benefits of crying, mm-hmm. you know, in one section, I talk about the benefits of crying. I do talk about some research pertaining to, you know, why they, what are the what's the research behind the benefits of crime, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking about mental health. I'm talking about, you know, the, the informa- you know, research behind mental health mm-hmm. stuff. Or what. 
So there's there's some science, you know, some research and that sort of stuff woven in there. But yes. I I don't think that anything is complicated. You're not gonna be sitting there needing to take notes and reference, <laughs> cross reference, and yeah, you know, there's no complicated annotated bibliography to go okay. through. You know, it's, it's an easy read, and and that was by design because okay. again, as a person in mourning. Your brain can't handle but so much. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it literally, and again, I talk about that, that, um, that brain research in the book as well. I actually talk about that brain research and what's going on with a stressed brain mm. and why a stressed brain is struggling to make decisions and to, you know, manage the day to day. And so, you know, with that in mind, I really work, you know, work to kind of keep the book. Um, very simple, very practical, very um, structured, very pithy, you know, and to the point. Um, so I think that, I, I hope that people will find it easy to read and, and get I, through and beneficial. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I would imagine so. So again, listeners, the links for On Death, Dying, and Disbelief will be in the show notes, as well as the link for the Ebony Exodus Project. I, I say, why not get both? Why you already wherever you shopping nice from? Bad. Just get them both. Get mm-hmm. them both. <laughs> so yes. Oh my God. Um, well then, do you have any words for again this fictional teenager in a religious household in Iowa, Nebraska, mm-hmm. somewhere who uh, maybe doesn't really see the the light at the end of the tunnel in the way mm-hmm. that you know that you are that light. You've gone through a lot of that. Yeah, you was minister by 22, you know, 2022. So, you know, do you have any words for maybe someone who is in a space where religion is very dominant and that's just not their walk? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, and, and I've said this in plenty of places, plenty of interviews, I've written about it. I true, and this goes back to the, our beginning conversation about me being a nerd. Mm-hmm. So this is, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show. Like I said, I got receipts. <laughs> you can you find me in other places. But I really do believe in the in the importance and the, of critical thinking, uh, focusing on things like science, literacy, that sort of thing. Because when you are armed with factual information, you know, factual information is critical to um, to being confident in the decisions that you make, you know, and being a critical thinker and, a, uh, and, and using that to make decisions with your life, you know, having um, that sort of firm foundation in your, in good decision-making skills, critical thinking, you know, like I said, factual, respecting the value of research. Mm-hmm. You know, and the mm-hmm. scientific method and that sort of stuff. Like, those things are foundational to um, helping you be comfortable and confident in the decisions that you make with your life. Mm-hmm. And so when you're faced with moments of doubt, then you can say, you know, I didn't make this decision out of emotion. I made Come this on. as a as an educated decision, mm-hmm. you know, which is why I'm so, you know, my my, I was about to say my face wasn't shaking. See, <laughs> I, the language, see, I said the language won't leave me. Oh, but, this, but that's why my 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 atheism was not shaken in the death of my sweetheart because I did not get to my atheism as an emotional 
thing. I got here out of study and critical thinking and that sort of thing. So, no, I'm not sitting around like, oh, my God, he's in the afterlife looking down on me. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not struggling with that. I was, I understand that struggle, mm-hmm. though. I mean, I did have those moments of like, oh, my God, I wish he was. Like I would, I would pay real money mm-hmm. to this day. I would pay real money mm-hmm. if it meant that I knew he was in a heaven looking down upon me. Mm-hmm. I pay real money for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, and 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 I had my tears and my cries over wishing that that was real. But at the end of the day, I was never really shaken in this sense of like you know I I've seen in other non-believers where they were really shaken to their core. Their, um, you know, they they really were drawn back to their faith mm-hmm. because, you know, in times of stress like this, because they didn't have anything else yeah. that anchored them. Yeah, you know, so when they're so when they when they got scared at life, you know, when something in life scared them, they didn't have anything else that anchored them except their emotions, and your emotions mm-hmm. are all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need so to that kid in Iowa, Nebraska, <laughs> whatever. You know, when you're, you, you need to be making sound decisions about your life and about your beliefs and your non-beliefs. Off of you know, about you know, you need to be making decisions and and, and choosing which way you're going with your life and and your life, um, your um, your philosophies on life and your stances and. You know your um, how you're developing your um, personal identity. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Identity mm-hmm. development, like how, how you're developing your identity, really needs to be grounded in factual, critical thinking, that sort of thing, so that it's not blown by the winds and it's not mm-hmm. tossed to and fro by your emotions, because and and other people's emotions, because yeah. your emotions and other people's emotions too. Mm-hmm. Gonna toss you all over the place if that's what you grounded in. <laughs> Lord, that you said. I thought you said, you said a word. That's another thing I do want to point out. I I was raised Christian, so a lot of my right. language still reflects you that. You, you know, that's just, so. I love so. it, but you know what? I love it. I love Look, it. I, I'm here for it. Look, I, boy, I'm trying to tell you that, so I don't want nobody to be like, "Oh, they ain't real. They ain't real." Because they say, "No, I say, Lord, help." <laughs> us in a minute because that's yeah, what the situation exactly. calls for Lord. Exactly. oh man okay. i'm always oh. calling on jesus let me tell you and don't let me get the cussing because then i'm, I'm definitely right. i'm gonna give you everything but yeah I, 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 I yell out i always yell out jesus christ on toast <laughs> yeah see there you go it's that's just, my swear oh my god yeah yeah so I don't know. This this is uh, you have you've done it for me today. You have done because I I just I have I've gone through. I'm the okay. Let me words words mean things. Throughout the course of this conversation, I've reflected on my own process through dealing with grief and one like being um being an atheist. I was an atheist when I lost my mom, but I wasn't mm. when I lost my grandmother. And so I'm just mm. kind of reflecting on those two points and you know I was much younger when I lost my grandmother and you know what happened then and like even the sacrifices that like certain family members made where me and my cousin went to prom 
and nobody told us because they wanted us to have a good prom. But then waking up mm. in the morning and then having to deal with that, you know, so I'm just, I'm kind of walking through some of my own um, mm-hmm. issues with grief and like how people around me acted and, you know, just all of that. So this, you'll definitely, definitely get a copy from me or to mm-hmm. me, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm definitely going to mm-hmm. get a copy because I just, I, I think this is very important, regardless of what mm-hmm. you believe. Of course, it's specifically for um, intended for non-believers, but I do think it's important for conversations like this to be had and for um, books like this to be on the shelves. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. again, representation, I'm fighting for it. That's the hill I die on. And there mm-hmm. are non-believing black people. So yeah, oof. yeah, yeah. Thank. You, <laughs> thank you. Do you have any uh, maybe final words for the listeners? Anything you want to push? Anything else you want to want to get out and let these folks know about? Um. Well, let's see. I've got a couple. Of, I'm going to be at um. If if no, if you haven't heard, you know, Mandisa Thomas is doing the Women of of Color um, Beyond Belief Women of Color Beyond Belief Conference in Chicago, um, which I will be there. And it is what are the dates of that? The dates are um, September twenty fourth through the twenty sixth in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be there speaking at that. Of course, you know we love to have people come out to that. <laughs> um, I'll be giving a workshop and a presentation on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, recovering from religion. Um, also, is having a, a retreat in North Carolina um, the weekend of September seventeenth which I'll be doing a, a workshop on um, mindfulness, meditation, relaxation, and also on grief. Um, so that'll be the weekend of September 17th. Um, so those are two conferences that, um, you know, if your listeners are interested. The Recovering from Religion one is really, um, this will be their second time doing this one. Mm-hmm. And it's really all about, I, I think it's really re- relevant to my um, grief topic because the, the, point of that um, retreat is all about um you know just getting back to when you're as it says recovering from religion right mm-hmm, so you're mm-hmm. really trying to you know get back to, it's like healing it's all the, the 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 retreat it's in the mountains of north carolina <laughs> and it's in this you know it's all okay. and pretty and streams rolling past you know <laughs> bucolic scenes and mm-hmm. stuff like that and so it's um, you know, all about healing and that sort of thing. So, so, you know, a lot of people came out really, um, you know, they have counselors on, on hand, me, plus some other counselors are on hand to sort of be there and be present to talk to people as they're, you know, just wanting to sort of process whatever things they're going through. Um, I'm not sure how much that conference is, but again, like I said, the organization is called Recovering from Religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an extremely healing process, I think. Um, and then, like I said, of course, anything put on by Mandisa Thomas with with, with the uh, with Black Non-Believers is going to be awesome. We've never been to a Black Non-Believers event. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. You need to go. Um, good, good, good. So with that's those all two, I things good. I got coming up. Mm-hmm. I'll have those in the show notes as well. And uh, listeners, again, if you're interested, please check those out. But at the but for sure, absolutely. Get this book or death dying in disbelief. That's yeah. that's your number one call to action. But yes, yeah. yeah, so I'll have these um these events listed as well in the show notes. <clears throat> excuse me, so that people can check those out at the very least, get a little bit more information on them. Yeah. 
Whew. This do you thank you again. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. And um please let these people know where they can reach out to you if you want them mm -hmm. to follow you on social media or if not, mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine too. Yeah, so on Twitter it's just at, at Ebony Exodus and then Facebook, the um Facebook page is Ebony Exodus as well. Um so those two places. Um, and then I am in the process of rebuilding my website right now. Mm -hmm. So that okay. it will be Ebony Exodus as well, but it's part. So it's Okay, it's okay. <laughs> so whenever you no no, whenever you have that, I'll just update the show notes. So listeners mm -hmm. in the future, go ahead and click. And, <laughs> and those of you right now, if it's not up, just wait. Revisit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh okay. man, okay, okay. Well, well, thank you. I do appreciate you coming on, speaking with me, getting the word out about your project, enlightening these folks. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I had a good time. Oh my god, my god! And listeners, again, Rain Coleman here, Carefree Blurred on Twitter, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. Until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay on your favorite book purchasing website with On Death, Dying in Disbelief. And until next time, um, stay holy. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking the exact same thing. I was going to say stay holy. 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 Stay hol